Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. We're kicking off 2023 with two guests. The first is the adorable Katie Cable, who wrote the book Party With Your Pup with recipes for both you and your best friend. And she segues into her thyroid journey. So my second guest, Jay Feldman, helps us tackle our thyroid journeys. The show notes will give you more details, but you'll get to meet them both right after this. I am so excited. This is the month that one of my friends, she's my hairstylist, who is using Akel's Carpet One for new flooring. It's the thing that sometimes parents have to, you know, kind of pull the trigger because you've got humans at home and you might, well, in her case, have cats that pee on the carpet. So she's ripping it up and she will have the new luxury vinyl plank in her home installed by Akel's Carpet One. I know this, Akel's Carpet One right here, floor and home in central Arkansas will beat the big box store prices. To me, I kind of buried the lead in that. I should have told you that first, but that's something you need to know. They will beat the big box store prices. They are outstanding with the customer service. She couldn't believe it, uh, Leah, the hairdresser. She couldn't believe it that they remove all the furniture and um, remove the old carpet and then lay down the new flooring because she has carpet now. Lay down the new flooring and it's all going to be done. I think she said in a day. It sounds crazy, but that's how efficient they are at Akel's Carpet One. They know that time is something that's very valuable to you and money. So they know that the price needs to come down and you'll get the best deal and the best service. And you know, an Akel is involved. Check out their new and redesigned and fancy store in Maumel, com. Ask about 0% financing for 18 months. You know, one thing I've learned from the Bubba's family, the people behind David's Burgers and Jess's Chicken, is that they are always thinking of you, the parent wondering how you can feed your kids in a healthy manner. And they're always considering people with special food and dietary needs. So that means at Jess's Chicken, Southern Kitchen, you can have things that are dairy-free. You can have options that are gluten-free. That's, you won't have the bread with it, right? Or even egg-free. And they even fry their fries separately from the other thing. So there's no cross-contamination. But the other thing about Jess's Chicken, remember they're closed on Sundays so they can worship with their families. And that is they have a catering menu now that is so delicious. You can order online. You can go by and pick up. They can deliver within a 15-mile radius of the restaurant. They do need a 36-hour notice to guarantee the fulfillment of an order. But guys, if you're looking to feed more than a few people, you can do it for eight bucks a person. I recommend bumping up just a little bit to get the mac and cheese because the mac and cheese is so good. You've got the sauces, you've got the drinks, you can have the cookies all for you at Arkansas's number one chicken restaurant. It's Jess's Chicken. She won most talkative in high school and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. So watch how this goes, Katie Cable with the cutest name and <laughs> loves all the animals and I hear loves all the words. So tell me about you and tell me how you got in, involved in not just with dogs, but about health. Well, actually, I started out being afraid of dogs, a deathly afraid and never really liked dogs. I had allergies. We got um, a beautiful Cocker Spaniel when I was about eight years old, and it was an inbred dog and had to be given away. So it was just really traumatic. And then I grew up, you know, loving all things Chanel and designer and my Same, allergies. Girl. And it's like I had no affinity for dogs. And um, I remember my daughter, I would read her Eloise at the Plaza about this little social light that never had to go to school and got to run around <laughs> yes. at the plaza and that was my dream life and she had <laughs> this little pug and my daughter when she was five turning six she said well I'm six and I want a pug and my mom and my husband both said well that's one way we can get her out of our bed we'll get her a pug <laughs> and <laughs> so we went and we rescued 
a little pug and I'm like got the divorce lawyer on speed dial because I'm <laughs> seeing myself picking up poop and all of my nice things yes. being chewed mm-hmm. up and my head just went crazy with that and it turns out that it was the best thing that dog turned my life right side up in so many ways. Isn't that sweet? And um, so we got this darling pug. And in addition to my daughter in our bed, we had our daughter and the pug in our bed. Oh but my. eventually they moved down to her room. But um, the dog had a lot of, of issues. And I was not a dog person, so I was calling this rescue ad nauseum um, for advice. And... I just did everything they said, and the dog cost more than a darn vacation home but with all yeah. the medications and yeah. the special food and this and mm-hmm. that. And um, so the dog unfortunately passed away. His name was Raisin when he was 13. And um, my- they usually live a little longer than that, don't they? Well, they do, but the, it was a rescue it, dog, and oh, okay. again, I think he would have lived much longer if I'd have known what I know now about health and nutrition, and my daughter went away to school um, the same year that the, the pug, our little raisin, passed away, and I was just an empty nester with nothing but time on my hands, and kind of all of my skills seemed a little bit irrelevant and so while I was trying to get kind of back into the workforce I just took a part-time job with a new pet food company called Nulo which my daughter said yeah you've reached a new low in your career mom when when all of my nice designer suits and I had a sneaker and lanyard and I was marching into PetSmart and you look like you've given up I mean they looked at you and said mom you've given up yeah and they're like, what are you doing? Oh, you have, I I, I'm worried. So mm-hmm. um, I just thought, you know what? If I don't like it, I will leave. It's something to do. I'm going to be waiting on this other, you know, a high-end PR job for forever. And um, so I went into PetSmart to represent this pet food company. And I just had my eyes opened. I met so many kids that were my daughter's age that were you know those were my managers now (laughs) and that's um, right it was just the complete most humbling job experience but it was also the one of the best and i learned so much about nutrition from this new dog food and i thought oh my gosh i have been doing dog nutrition yeah i was really trying to help educate pet parents on how to make a better food choice and I was competing with all of these big brands with samples and a big show in the store and I was standing there you know with nothing I didn't have so much as a coupon so I went into like the shampoo and the flea treatment and I would really start talking about what are you feeding your pet let's start with that and then I would get them to buy the food and not only did the pet food take off, I'm now their Southern California and Hawaii Territory Development Manager, but I really... Well, that worked out well. Yeah, I like built this brand and, um, and, and I learned so much and I got to see these pet parents that were just, just like me. What do I do? I'm spending on all these creams and antibiotics and special food and, and really educate them on just simple, basic, whole foods and little easy swaps. And I thought, I got to put this in a blog. So I started blogging and I I had a, a blog, I still do, called The Weekly Runt. And every That's week, so it's just a simple tip or trick for um, how to get rid of uh, fleas, natural flea repellents that aren't toxic. Um, how to get rid of a sensitive tummy, best foods for puppies, new puppy checklist, how to, you know, are you ready for a new dog? And and all of these kind of dog, um, important dog things and really advocating for rescue and for um, just people taking a look at what is in the pet foods that they're buying, how to read the bag and what's marketing and what what is the truth and in doing so i just i couldn't live without 
another dog. So I found a little rescue named Little Black Olive. I guess she's hiding out, but usually she loves when I'm doing podcasts to come up and, you know, in the kitchen. That was pretty good. What, what is she? She is a little black pug. And um, oh, she's I a pug. got okay. her out in Coachella where they have the famous music festival. That's and right. it yeah. is literally hotter than a dog's balls out there. And this dog <laughs> was thrown out on the street. She was no more than a year old. She was literally just a puppy. Oh. And she'd had a litter of pups. Her nipples are dragging on the ground. She was scared Same. and sick and just yeah. a mess. <laughs> And so they said, you know, she needs a lot of help, but we know of your background with pugs and and your blog, and do you want to um, rescue and rehabilitate her? And I said, absolutely, she's the answer to my prayers. Well, she was, and the only problem with Olive is she has a very sweet face, but she is a rescue, and she has been badly, badly abused and And just had a very traumatic upbringing, and she's like a feral cat. She was really fearful. I couldn't Mm -hmm. make a move for six months. She was under my kitchen table and cowering and wouldn't go outside. I mean, she she needed a lot of rehabilitation and Mm -hmm. and still does. She's not really good at big meetups and events. She... Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's a very a more low-key dog and was a resource guarder. She didn't understand that you, you're you never going to want for a bowl of food or a toy or oh, your life has yeah. changed. And when other dogs yeah. approach me, she senses my fear. If it's a big dog, I live at the beach and everybody runs around with their dogs. They don't put them on leashes and they're like, oh, he's a big love. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, we're not. She'll rip your face off. So stay really? <laughs> She's that protective. She, yeah. And she's a little dog with what could be a very, very big bite. So um, the onus, oh, here, Olive, come here. The onus is on me to um, work at her pace and keep her feeling safe and secure. Um, And we do that, and she's come a long, long way. But you never know. You know, she's a small dog, um, but you, you just, you can't trust that I, I don't want her to have a reaction and hurt another dog or, yeah, another dog. Well, well I, I was raised by lawyers, so that liability yeah. was always, and, my, and we were raised with dogs, so my parents, my dad would always say, the first bite is free because you can say I didn't know, but then after that, I mean, my dad, my parents were very protective and raised big dogs and small dogs, so, and you never know what dog will What's do gonna what. What's going to set them off? You have no idea. And she can be fine, and then all of a sudden, you know, so. (laughs) That's right. Um, I can, too. That really, everything about her describes me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But with you, you're the pug whisperer. I I am. I really have an affinity to these little dogs, um, which is kind of funny because... You know, coming growing up, I grew up as an actress and in front of the camera, and I'll kind of venture into my new book and how those paths crossed. Um, but for somebody that was so obsessed with my image and my look, even with working with dogs, you know, mm-hmm. I did end up getting offered the job, the dream job, and I turned it down because I said, What you know was what? the dream job? Um, it was to be to do uh, fashion PR with Neiman Marcus and help develop brands and really help increase. Is the- that available? Is that position still available? Because my resume, I could send it out right now. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think it is, Dang. but okay. um, even if it was... You would really have to take a look at, do you want your boss to be 26 years old, working all right. the time, no balance? Right. Um, right. I've done that. and But I think the thing about That's a pugs good point. is um, they're loaded with wrinkles. They're kind of short and squatty, and they don't care. Okay. They mm-hmm. think they are the shit, literally. And um, just mm-hmm. their attitude and so much personality in a small body. But I think just dogs in general have have 
given me a second leash on life, really, because of a all leash, of the second lessons. leash on life. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Plus, you were also speaking truth and life into those of us over 40, over 50. I mean, you well, know, in Hollywood, hit- over 24. You know, <laughs> that's right. Well, that's right. The it's rest of America over 40. Life. It is. But it's just a good reminder that I, even though I have a lot of energy, I don't want to be doing that and working 60 and 70 hours a week with people who are on their phones all day and who need, you know, yeah, we, a support bottle of water. I, I hope you know? not. I hope at this point right. we kind of know what our goals are and what brings us satisfaction. And when I took a look at that, really my the ego was the only thing pulling yeah. me back in. And it's really refreshing to have done a lot of work on that. But um, I do love pugs in particular, and I feel like I know the breed really, really well. I can really troubleshoot a lot because they are very sensitive. And the French Bulldogs and the English Bulldog, all of the squishy face, they're yeah. called Bracky mm-hmm. breeds, the Brack Pack mm-hmm. breeds. So um, mm-hmm. I, I love to share that. And, and make sure that people understand what they're getting with this dog. These are very codependent dogs. They're one of the oldest breeds of dogs that were bred literally to sit on the lap of Chinese royalty. Those are Is the that people right? that could have pugs. And wow. um, they're a royalty dog, which is great for all my... And a Love loyalty dog. Royalty, loyalty. I and mean, loyalty, right? Honestly, my dog is... Just, she's almost snoring so loud you could pick it up on the mic. But if I were to get up, she would get up out of a deep sleep and follow me to the end of the earth. And and there's just so many kind of spiritual connections with the dog because I didn't grow up like that. I grew up in a a very, um, I'm very codependent and I have a lot of issues with that. And I grew up in the entertainment industry where you project the image your agent tells you is going to bring them money and you're only as good as as that and so i kind of had to backpedal at the ripe old age of 50 and learn some important life lessons which i'm happy my daughter picked up on her own and didn't didn't follow in my <laughs> Good. toxic right. footsteps with a right. lot of that because she grew up in the industry as well and um so my new book i've got it if you're watching on youtube it's, it's katie darling. cable's party with your pup because nobody loves a good party more than i do but um i'm sick of like brown bowls of brown kibble at parties or people just given bites of their cupcakes and all this stuff that goes through your dog like a laser beam i mean none of us so you you wrote this from the perspective of it's both human and canine approved it is both humans can eat it and dogs can eat it right there's a ton of amazing cookbooks that i have making treats for your pup and um, making dog food and all of that is terrific but I work with a dog food company they have every kind of thing from supplements to full-on canned dry food stews they have everything you could want in the dog food category and then I was diagnosed in 2018 with uh, Hashimoto's I didn't know why All of a sudden, my hair was coming out in clumps one day. I had no energy. I am like you. Go, 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 go. You know, my... I was until I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And that was my biggest symptom. And so I was 40 when he patted me on the leg and just said I needed to take a B vitamin and lose 10 pounds. I was like, I don't think you understand. I, I, I said, I have no energy to do yeah. anything. I mean, there's something wrong. Oh, no, you're fine. And it was he was so patronizing that it yeah. took me years. It took me four years to get diagnosed. So how long did it take you to get diagnosed? Um, it, uh, it took me not that long because I insisted Good. on a blood panel. Um, and 
the female doctors said, you're just getting, see, I was 50 mm -hmm. and they said, oh, it's mm -hmm. peri, you're getting older mm -hmm. and your baseline mm -hmm. from dancing mm -hmm. and gymnastics and all of mm -hmm. the, it's just higher now. And I thought, you know, my mom's 90 and she <laughs> has literally more energy than I do. I sleep 12 hours a night. I drive to ballet and I, I can't go in. I'm, I just have no energy and I'm living on caffeine and sugar to give me the buzz I need to get through the day. Which blows your adrenals out. Oh. I mean, it's so harmful in your adrenals, but you're doing anything. You were doing anything to keep your head above the water. It was. And then my hair was falling out. And finally, my doctor, um, a male doctor did some tests and he said, oh, okay, well, you've got a sluggish thyroid sluggish my thyroid levels were like an 18 and they should be a one <gasps> maybe two and so girl if mine's above two i'm in the bed yeah and you were at 18 that's more than sluggish that's almost rest in peace yeah katie's thyroid r.i.p yeah it was i really bad and he said well you know come on in we'll get you on some meds and i thought oh this will be like strep throat i take it today and tomorrow i'm like yes right. i'm on the mend <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i'm no, coming no into work and no, um, so he said oh no it's gonna take a little bit longer than that for it to adjust and so i thought that was really all it was going to take and and I was gaining weight. I was on the cabbage soup diet, which was my go-to. And I don't know if you've heard of the cabbage soup diet, but sure. I'm a vegetarian, so it's perfect. You just eat yeah. cabbage soup and fresh fruit and all the wrong things for for my, That's my right. metabolism. And because, well, cabbage is goitrogenic, yeah. too. It's in the goitrogenic family, which for thyroid suffers it's kind of dangerous of course this is not medical advice my attorney wanted me to tell you but yeah i would nor is I would mine this is our experience <laughs> that's right do a deep dive and you have to really curtail kale broccoli spinach anything in that no, cruciferous exactly. family or it makes your thyroid worse so i didn't know why i was putting on four pounds after a week of starving and and it's just I was hibernating my body was yeah. shutting down mm -hmm. in order mm -hmm. not to die and yeah um and then finally the medication was making I was jittery I felt like I was You're having a much. heart attack I was waking mm -hmm. up at night and mm -hmm. then he tested and my levels were dangerously low mm -hmm. and so I didn't know and then it would go back and forth every time I would come in and finally, I heard a podcast, um, God, maybe one of yours, and I looked be. into... I, mean, I love the thyroid, I'm just yeah, telling you. Um, but I, I think if men had Hashimoto's the way women do, there, it would be a it different ballgame as far as research. And But it doesn't matter because I have found... That's some simple tweaks in my brain, first of all, in listening to my body. I never, I was like you, you know, if you're tired, you push through, damn it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm high mm -hmm. achiever, type A, get yeah. it done, perfectionist. And I I really have to reel that in and, um, and look. So at, what medicine did you end up taking? I take Synthroid, but it really wasn't working yeah, Synthroid usually is like taking a Tic Tac. I, mean. um, I take a very low dose of Synthroid. Um, I was taking much more, but unless I, ha I have found that I can take Synthroid, and I'm kind of my own compounding pharmacist now because, <laughs> yeah, Girl. you know, we just had yes. extreme humidity and I had a really bad... Um, a bad flare-up. My mother passed away in January, and oh, I had a bad... At 90? At 93. Oh, no. Um, I'm so sorry. You know, it It was a beautiful, beautiful passing and a blessing. And But I did her memorial just um, last, it, last couple months in August. It would have been her 94th birthday, and we wow. had a beautiful celebration. And just putting that together just stirred up every all the pictures and the videos. And I have I haven't talked to her in nine months now. And yeah. so that mm -hmm. took its toll with everything else. And so I added 
what did I do? I added some Cytomel twice a twice a week. I take on Mondays and Friday nights. I take a full thirty milligrams. Five micrograms, or do you take whatever the smallest is? That's five micrograms. Somebody said, "Oh, that's going to just make your heart go boom." And and I thought, well, I'm really sensitive. I'll start with half Mm -hmm. a pill midday, and Mm -hmm. if it, I know food helps the absorption so i'll take it on a full stomach Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i was fine and so i started incorporating that and then i take half my synthroid on those days and that seems to be a great balance for you feel good feeling good i'm not losing my hair i can exercise um but I have to watch it. I am living life on a quarter tank of gas if I'm not careful. And the yeah. diet is the big thing. I, I, That's why I created my book. I mm-hmm. was living on su- literally no gluten, no soy, no legumes, yeah, no, no vegetables. But no, no, cru- yeah. they're cruciferous. Those yeah. are what's the other word for them? Goiterous. Yeah, it's like yeah, oh goitrogenic. My God. Yeah, mm-hmm. legumes mm-hmm. are bad. Um, yeah, every are. single thing in my staple was. I couldn't. I I was living on air, and I thought this isn't sustainable. I'm so I have sorry. No enjoyment. So I went to work. Um, modify. Oh, and I have to eat meat. I was a vegetarian. I did not like meat. I grew up on it. I just, I don't like it. So what are you doing? Because I I, to, to treat mine, I do carnivore diet for that. So what are you eating then for your meat? I eat a little bit of everything. Once, a, once okay. or twice a month, I'll have a very well done Kobe burger. Um, and I just put a bunch of mushrooms and and I eat to live a lot. Right, understand. Then I can, can you tolerate eggs? Yeah, so I can't have tolerate eggs, eggs. And I okay. put one Good. egg in all my. Yeah, I try to mix up a lot of chopped things, and I I eat my or I have a cup of my miracle mushroom soup in here every day. It's made with bone broth and yes. all kinds yes. of Perfect. veggies, and I add all the supplements to it but i swear it's kept me it's kept my whole family safe sitting and your dog can eat it too um with the dog i modify the recipes so if you're just making it for a dog there's a split screen like here's carob covered strawberries and then this is how to make (laughs) them for the dog and then here's how to go a little crazy with your own i love Um, it so that like a lot of people are so crazy about their dogs they're buying just food for dogs or all these fresh kitchen dog and farm dog and they have no room in their fridge and freezer for their own food because it's all the dog's (laughs) food so and it's really expensive and i always say just buy your own lean ground turkey and things and Uh then modify it or add a few of these little bells and whistles and I have a whole cookbook and it's super easy and you can because dogs always want what you're eating so you can that's so true. switch it up and give them a little bit and keep them healthy rotating fresh seasonal foods that I think all of us we need to eat less processed man-made oh, and more sure. live for off sure. the land but you are also Flying in the face of what we were told all those years as dog owners never feed table food. Oh, yeah. But I have a you, whole chapter on... You and all of share table food. We share table food, but <laughs> I let me repeat, this isn't Domino's pizza and beer. What we share <laughs> is broccoli, right. and, and I've learned the hard way. I've put a lot of research, and I've had a lot of vets and holistic vets um, advise me. There's a lot of misconceptions on feeding human food real food imagine that we're gonna feed our dog the way their ancestors lived (laughs) right and and us you know um i i don't know about you but all my life i wondered why i was so sensitive when i ate things when i would go get a shot at the doctor i'd break out in full body hives or i'd swell up and um 
And I was afraid to go to the doctor because they would always give me too much medication and I was scared I was going to die. And then I felt like if I didn't have medication, my body, I was told, well, your thyroid's burning out. It's burning out. You're not going to have a thyroid. It's like, no, it is. My nails grow. My hair grows back. If I break a bone, mm-hmm. it grows. My thyroid... Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to help it regenerate and I'm going to give it light and love and healing. And I know this sounds so stinking woo woo. And if it hadn't happened to me, I'd go that lady's freaking nuts. But um, it, it makes a big difference. I think we've made it so complicated. Well, I do think, Katie, because I have been now helping women with their thyroids for about 20 years because of my own story. I do think had I you caught yours in time and got on top of it. Yes. I caught mine in 2003, so 19 years ago. 18, I can't do math. 18, 19. I mean, it's almost two. By the time this airs, it'll be 2023. 20, yeah. Um, so, yeah, 20 years ago. And with that, um, mine, I didn't really do the homeopathic, holistic, nutritional part of it to the last two years. So, I've reversed my Hashimoto's. I no longer have... I had really high antibodies to Hashimoto's, like the worst our medical school had ever seen. But because of stress, I was getting up at 3.45 in the morning. I was on the radio. Then I would do TV. I mean, that constant stress, that constant cortisol really damages your parts, including your thyroid. So, and now I get a lot of vitamin D sunlight, which has lowered my antibodies to, my antibodies are really, my thyroid is, my Hashimoto's is undetectable. But because all those years, it turned around and attacked itself it did kill my gland okay yeah so i do have to take the medicine the rest of my life right. because my gland i burned it out but what you did was you caught it on the front end at the time it was fizzling out yeah you were able Stage to pump two. some new life into it with diet right or stop the progression of it that's so right that the and i didn't know are enough right. and i didn't know to do that and i didn't know i yeah. didn't know how to do it i do now so i really admire you and anyone listening if you suspect any of these symptoms please ask your provider for a complete thyroid yeah. panel i know i say this a lot including antibodies and that includes reverse t3 T3, T4, TSH antibodies. Yeah, because my thyroid levels are are normal, but my Hashimoto's with all the stress is very high. Right, Um, right. You know, I like it in remission, but... You know, those are, there's so, and most doctors, they've got 10 minutes and it's like, give her Synthroid or the, whatever it is. And well, they win the trip to Cabo if they write the Synthroid. I take the one that isn't the, there's no pharmacy rep for it. It's the old timey one. So it's been around for 150 years. It's made from pig. It's called Armor or NP Thyroid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and that, that works for me, but that may not be for everybody. So I understand that. Well, it changed I'm, my life. It gave me my life back. Yeah, because you probably, mine was just a T4, I guess. And that's why I yes. take the Cytomel. But now I that's find right. out, oh, they've been giving me generic. And that's why I felt And that better. bothers people too. Yeah. Well, I, I can see a difference. So, you know, it's very, very small. But um, I just, I really want to encourage people that, I felt so, I don't know about you, but just like I had no, I was so powerless over my own body and what was happening. And, and I felt like doctors had all the control and they didn't understand. And then I got a really good functional doctor and that's what you need. And that's what I think everybody needs, because if you have a healthy mind, you're going to have a healthier body. And if you have a a healthy body, you need a healthy body to have a healthy mind. I mean, the two Perfect. are so, so related and, and, and you do, I had to do a lot of deep dives into codependent issues. I was adopted mm-hmm. as an infant and, mm-hmm. um, great parents, but you know, I had that need to validate my existence and be worthy and, um, and growing up in entertaining where I was yeah. only good if somebody hired me or right. just a lot of things that I had to fill with my own love. And that's why I love dogs because they're, 
they're such special little creatures. They yeah. love you whether they you love look you. good, you're mm-hmm. 50, you're 20, yeah. Yeah. you're designer, you're on the street. It, it's amazing. And they don't live long enough. And we're no. killing them with horrible junk that people think. Like with our nutrition and what we're doing with our kids now. It's the same thing. I want to know, everybody who's listening, how many of you thought that we could weave healthy dogs into healthy thyroids into one podcast because we just did it we did it it's a first (laughs) of katie cable i've got all your information in the show notes your book is adorable i love the weekly runt that's her uh blog but all that's going to be in the show notes katie my best to you and olive i wish olive would let us look at her real quick but come here oh she will see if she'll get up sign off with Hugs and kisses to you, Lisa. Hugs and kisses. Oh, well, let me see her. Oh, well, she's just beautiful. Isn't she cute? She's just getting up they from can a be, nap. They can be Hugs kind of, kisses. you know, cantankerous. They can be moody. So I'm glad she's in a good oh, mood. Oh, I love her. Thank you Hugs so much, Lisa. And best to you and your, Thank your you. health, too. And I love Thank your podcast. You. Guess what I'm doing, people, in January for 2023? I'm finally taking the Dutch test that I've talked about for so long, the dried urine test for comprehensive hormones, and I'm doing it through compounding at cornerstone.com. It's a pharmacy in central Arkansas, but any of my listeners can score 20% off the test. Guys, that's a big savings. That's why I've put it off. It was you know, typically a, lo- a lot more than it is, but I'm saving 20% because I went to court compounding at cornerstone.com and I request a test and consultation under our services. So you click our services, hormone therapy. I'm there right now looking at it and I'm getting the Dutch test. So with the Dutch test, I'm uh, going to send that in like in a day or two and then I'll meet with Allison and then my provider here in Arkansas can, you know, maybe tweak my hormones or wherever you are, you can take that intel to your provider. And if you don't have one and you're in Arkansas, they can help you if you're outside of the state because of state laws, they can't do that. But you could at least have the information. We always say in functional medicine, test, don't guess. Compounding at cornerstone.com. They're the people you turn to. You also get 20% off on any purchase that you find online. The magical word to put in your coupon code is Lisa, L-I-S-A. Compounding at cornerstone.com. Hey friends, if you've listened to this podcast at all, or you know me personally, you know that I've been on a quest to eliminate toxic substances from my life. I threw out the plastic cutting board. I don't use um, phthalates and fragrances, especially in skincare products. That's why I've switched over to everything at Beauty Counter. Yeah, Beauty Counter beautycounter.com slash Lisa Fisher. That's the website that people talk about from the Environmental Working Group, EWG. They're all EWG approved. Most items you get anywhere else are not. They rate them from one to five, one being good. Beauty counter is a one. Most of the things you get at the grocery store, Walmart, wherever, they're fours and fives, meaning they're toxic for your skin, for your health. They could cause weight gain. They could attack your thyroid. Yeah, you see, it's everywhere. So get rid of the cutting boards, the plastic ones, and get the bamboo ones. And But then shop with me. Go to beautycounter.com slash Lisa Fisher, and you can see the products you can get there. Now, they don't have everything, but everything they have, I'm using. Find out more by going to the show notes. Link is there, or beautycounter.com slash Lisa Fisher. Now, here's Jay Feldman of Jay Feldman Wellness. Okay, we've got the traveling man with us, is from what I understand now. Jay Feldman, this is exciting. Um, by the time this drops, you might be on another part of the planet. But I know this, you care about people's health. You care about fitness. What got you into this uh, field? I mean, it, it is a field. Health and wellness space is a field. So what got you here? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, passion first and interest in, in working on my own health, mostly from originally a fitness standpoint. Wanted to perform the best I could in the gym and in sports and uh, of course nutrition is a big part of that and also how I was training and that led to a real passion for health and everything involved there from nutrition and movement and you know on from there and and so I was originally going to I was pre-med in college I was going to go the MD route and 
thank the Lord you didn't, but go ahead. <laughs> right. Well, and so that was kind of the conclusion I came to as well, was that right. there's a lot of great things with modern medicine, but one thing that it does not do so well is is helping people with chronic health issues and prevention and, yeah. and getting people to optimal as opposed to uh, just trying to treat and manage symptoms. And that wasn't something I was interested in. And so as I kind of uh, became disillusioned with the medical industry, I started to you know, determine that there's, I think, better ways to, to help people or at least in other areas. And so that's the route that I went. So after graduating, I uh, became a health coach. I do a lot of independent research and work with people one-on-one and with programs to help them recover from all sorts of chronic health issues, acute issues, you know, optimizing their health, things like that. Well, I know on your social media, and your social media is great. All the links will be in our show notes. Uh, but that is you give, pay homage to the thyroid. And I, I say that in that kind of voice because it's so important. It is the backbone of our health. And when I say our, I'm talking about women. Men do not, as we know, suffer from Hashimoto's and Graves' disease like women do. And so, so many times, Jay, and I was that one person 20 years ago, I was saying, something is not right. And I couldn't get anyone to listen to me further than they gave me Wellbutrin. They gave me an antidepressant. And I... I, I, I just, I remember the, well, frustration, tears, like going back saying, and my husband said, you're not depressed, but you're the most tired human I've ever been around. And I think it even made me more constipated, like the side effect of that medicine. But it, and I even rem, at, remember asking the psychiatrist, could I have thyroid disease? And he said, I mean, he's an MD, but he goes, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I mean, a psychiatrist didn't have lab values. And bless his heart, I mean, he was doing the best he could. He just knew he had someone in front of him who was tired, who'd gained weight, lost interest in things, and her hair was falling out. And so he went, well, that's depression, and it's not. So was there any connection to um, a female who had had these symptoms, a mom, a sister, a girlfriend, wife, daughter? Or was it just overall saying that, man, women sometimes get overlooked with their thyroids? So as far as the the interest in thyroid health or or why it's been an area that I discuss a lot is does have to do with those things. And so certainly something that runs in my family, you know, women in my family definitely have had Hashimoto's diagnoses and even men with hypothyroidism issues as well, which as you said, is less common, but still pretty common relative to, to, uh, you know, just health. (laughs) Uh, But the interest actually came more about from, Look, you know, uh, considering our health and and where the thyroid fits in, and recognizing that unlike what we're told when we're told that we, you know, that somebody has uh, hypothyroidism and that it's just some genetic issue, that you know it's entirely hereditary or just happens once you hit a certain age, it's just very common. There's nothing you can do about it. Here's, you know, in in your case, I mean, here's a an antidepressant drug, which is, I mean, a whole lot. <laughs> whole other issue but so insane yeah right but then if there's if someone's recognized to have hypothyroidism they just give them a t4 medication and say that's all you can do and then over time we'll have to keep increasing the dose you're probably not going to feel any different i can't imagine i mean i can't tell you how many times (laughs) i've worked with a client and their doctor was like yeah this isn't to help you feel better it's just because your lab values are showing that you have some hypothyroidism and so this uh you need to take this to improve those lab values but it's not going to change how you feel and that's obviously not the goal here, right? Because the way that you're feeling is a reflection of what's going on in your physiology. And so... Well, that's why you went to the doctor is because you weren't feeling right. So then when someone tells you, I've got some farmland in Utah for you, that's about the equivalent of, but you're not going to feel better. It's just pie in the sky at that point. Sure. And, and it's also completely ignoring what's actually driving that state of hypothyroidism in the first place. And so that's where that's how I started to become interested in thyroid health was looking at it as a reflection of what's going on underneath and looking at that underlying physiology, what's going on in terms of our hormones, our our gut health, our blood sugar, all sorts of factors, and how when we're in a suboptimal state, when our body is sensing that its environment its environment is not fav- favorable, it's not energetically favorable, it starts to turn down those dials of energy expenditure. And the thyroid is that kind of biggest dial. It is the main thing that determines the rate of our metabolism and affects our reproductive health, our gut health, our energy, of course, our focus, so many things. And so when our bodies are sensing that they're not in a supportive environment, 
then they start to turn their thyroid activity down. And that is the central piece that is then going to present as hypothyroidism. And so there's a ton that we can do to adjust our environment, adjust what we're giving our bodies to reverse that case. And that's something that's obviously not talked about very much. And I think that's really where we want to be putting our focus if we're if we're presenting with hypothyroid symptoms, which are super, super common and even underdiagnosed, I would say, as even even though it is one oh. of the most common diagnoses, it's still, I think, largely underdiagnosed. It's because it's healthcare providers who rely too much on a TSH value when there are so many other components. I will say it took me four years to get diagnosed, but finally I did have someone who palpated my thyroid and it was impressive, which I said, thank you. I thought that was like a compliment. Like, you know, I can put cute shoes, they're impressive. You've, you know, enlarged goiter is what it is. Thank you. Um, but it was that doctor who said, let me just look at your antibodies. And they were off, you know, greater than 1300. They were off the page. And now I really want women. So that gets overlooked because for four years, I would tell people, now I'm really tired. You know, I'm, I'd say, now listen to me. Some people are tired. I mean, I'm, I'm pregnancy tired is what I was saying. And I was 39 years old, so I wasn't pregnant. I mean, I, I was not pregnant at that time. Um, and so my TSH was always normal, but it was, you know, each year it went up, went up. It was about 3.8 finally when I got diagnosed, but the high antibodies, finally that doctor did make the connection. But now I'm seeing Jay and I heard a provider say recently that he really likes looking at free T3 because that, that's, that's not bound, right? And it's what's available. Am I saying that right? With lab values? Yeah, that, that's correct. So there's a handful of markers that if we want to get a real clear picture of what's going on with our thyroid, we'd want to look at. So it's TSH, as you mentioned, which the ranges that are currently used, I think, are way, way off. Uh, so there's TSH, right. which is a measure of how much stimulation there is of the thyroid, how much of, an, of uh, other parts of our body are asking for the thyroid to give us more hormone. So that'll be... Oh, that's a good way to put that. Okay, yeah, good. so that's going to be much higher if we don't have enough thyroid activity or body's asking for more. But there's certain situations where that can be suppressed, where we're going to see a low TSH, even if there is hypothyroidism. And that's especially helpful to then look at, as you mentioned, antibodies. Uh, we can also look at free T3, free T4, even total T3 and total T4 are relevant as well. And also reverse T3, which is normally if you ask to get it tested, it's, you'll, you'll have to put up a bit of a fight to get it. But that's mm -hmm. something you'll see as well. And that's a sign of the how well we're converting the inactive thyroid hormone to the active thyroid hormone. And that's another really central okay. piece, another area where you can completely miss a diagnosis of hypothyroidism because the TSH looks normal. Maybe even free, T, uh, free T3, free T4 look normal, but they're not actually being converted properly. And then you see an elevated uh, reverse T3. And sometimes that'll come with low free T3 as well. It kind of depends. Well, the other marker on mine was I had high cholesterol mm -hmm. and I still do. I mean, I just think it's the way I eat. I have a high meat, you know, animal-based diet. Um, and the other thing he did, and no other doctor's done this in 20 years, but he checked my reflexes because he said, this was in 2003 that I had this conversation and he said 20 years ago, I guess that would be the, I can't do math, but I think the 80s, he said, so the TSH, I think, was invented, was introduced like in the 70s, maybe 73. So maybe it was before then. He said before then, before we had a test, we palpated the thyroid, we listened to the patient, and we checked the reflexes. And it's a shame that then they said, oh, for, in fact, I've talked to doctors who said um, after the TSH, thyroid simulating hormone test, was introduced by Abbott Laboratories in the 70s. They were even told by the Synthroid rep, of course, that makes Abbott Laboratories also makes Synthroid. They said, don't even test anything else. Don't even talk. You don't have to talk to the patient. That was the selling point. You don't have to talk to the patient. Just get their TSH and move about your day. You get your 10 minutes with them and move on. Which I think, but wait a minute. There's a valuable piece in what women have to say. And that's one thing I guess you're getting to do with your clients. You're hearing them say to you, I'm miserable. So what are the common things they're telling you in their hypothyroid misery? Well, so, so that's a great point. Just to, So we'll get to those symptoms. But in terms of the T4 and looking at TSH, 
think there's a reason for that too. And that's that using T4 is very good at suppressing TSH, but not very good at actually, actually translating to better thyroid activity, better thyroid function, and reversal of symptoms. So when you have uh, an industry, a company, suggesting that here's our medication to solve this problem, and the problem is just an elevated TSH value, there's there's intentionality behind that, and I think that's a huge uh-huh. a huge concern. You all, I like that you mentioned yeah. the reflexes, which is a which is a great indicator of hypothyroidism. There's two others that I would mention. So one that you mentioned was uh, high cholesterol, which that connection mm-hmm. between high cholesterol and low thyroid activity has been known since since right around 1900. So I think it was like 1906 or something. And well, there you go. And wow. yeah, and that was one of the first markers they were using. Uh, to identify hypothyroidism, and they were looking for cholesterol to come down when it was when the hypothyroidism was treated. There's two other markers that have also been used. So one is looking at the total metabolic rate, so looking at how much food someone can eat and maintain their weight. And if and this is super common for hypothyroidism, if you're one of those people who is only getting by on 1,200, 1,400 calories a day, which is way under where your quote metabolic rate should be. That's a sign of hypothyroidism that you're not actually, con- you know, your metabolic dials have been turned down. That thyroid activity has mm-hmm. been turned down. So that's another clear sign. And then one more is body temperature. And so body temperature and uh, pulse rate sure. as well. And so if you look at your uh, body temperature, both when waking and later in the day, that can be a really good indicator of where your metabolic rate is at and where your thyroid activity is at. So in hypothyroidism, it's very common to see very low body temperatures. Very few. It's very rare to see someone who has hypothyroidism get to that 98.6 later in the day, and ideally around waking, looking for at least 97.8, ideally 98.0, and I, you know, see a lot of 95s, 96s in those mm-hmm. states, and that's that's another common one, and that translates to feeling cold. So cold hands and feet, or just feeling cold in yes. general, mm-hmm. intolerance to cold weather. Those are clear signs of hypothyroidism. I will say just a little caveat. There's some circumstances where a you can see normal body temperature and still have hypothyroidism if there's a lot of adrenaline a lot of stress but that's again more rare but it can't happen but that then translates to a lot of what we see in terms of your question as far as what somebody's experiencing so low body temperature is very common low energy right the fatigue the falling asleep throughout the day or just always needing Mm -hmm. a nap uh Mm -hmm. especially when driving that's a a scary one that i've heard it's awful very uh, and, you know, not having the energy to then be able to focus on work or to do physical activity, not being able to recover well from physical activity, the brain fog. And then also digestion is a huge component when it comes to hypothyroidism. It slows our motility down. So constipation is very common. That can then lead to bacterial overgrowth. That can lead to bloating mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of other gut irritation. So those are common symptoms as well of, of hypothyroidism. Uh, sometimes insomnia or not being able to sleep through the night is another common one. Waking right. up throughout the night, not being able to get good deep Awful. sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a handful of others. I would say dry skin, you know, or like issues in terms of skin, mm-hmm. hair and nails, uh, hair thinning, mm-hmm. brittle nails or nails that aren't uh, growing very uh, quickly, you know, very slow growing. Those are all signs of our metabolic rate being slowed as a result of hypothyroidism. Then you know another one is um, puffiness and water mm-hmm. retention, and so my doctor told me the other problem a lot of women have is nocturnal polyuria, waking up in the middle of the night to empty their bladder, and he said it's because the thyroid, as the gas pedal of the body, controls your antidiuretic hormone that your kidneys produce, and he said so there's not a good communication, so you have an urgency. Because, you know, that antidiuretic is how you sleep through the night. You don't pee in your bed, right? But a lot of times, hypothyroid, I say women, maybe men too, but hypothyroid patients will wake up several times or at least a couple times. And you may wake up once and that's normal, but more than once, then you you just have to look at hormone activity that just so many times, Jay, doctors just pat us on the leg. I mean, I remember that doctor saying, take Wellbutrin, which has kind of a stimulant in it. There's something in it that my, my low energy was my symptom and even though i'm still delightful and charming and use my hands when i talk like i'm still energetic when i talk but i was really tired Mm. (laughs) and the other things it just finally adds up so when we reverse because i really feel like i've reversed my autoimmune condition my antibodies they were 2400 even at one time but now they're like 38 i have a good vitamin d i'm trying to get it up to 60 like you know i work real hard on my health um 
do you think now then if I check my body temperature I will have will I bring it up then can I can I cure that because that was always a problem it was always like 95.6 for years but I haven't checked it in a while is that something I should check I would say so yeah I mean okay. as you said there's certainly an autoimmune component and it's great to to see that side of things improve but yeah there's also this this situation of a response to the energy availability in our environment what kind of signals are we giving our bodies and uh and that will will affect thyroid activity as well uh, and, and yeah I, I would want to look at labs and everything but body temperature and energy yeah. all of those symptoms okay. would be yeah good indicators and another symptom you probably see in the fitness world is post-exercise fatigue mm. when i was not feeling well i working out did not energize me it really kind of exhausted me and now that my thyroid functions, I can do a workout and I'm fine. You know, I can go about my day. Perfect. Yeah, that's what we'd be looking for, getting back to that sort of state because, yeah, it's very common. And a lot of a lot of people, a lot of women will push through it. And, and um, you know, the, there's you can you can do it with willpower, of course, but that's not the. Uh, no, I, I went to the bakery and got a muffin <laughs> or something like that. I wasn't going to put too much effort into it. Now, what are let's talk about gut health then. I wonder then. You know, my gut health was probably a wreck because I think I drank diet sodas and I probably ate cereal for breakfast. You know, I ate crap and stuff, just not knowing because I believe that the grocery stores were there to benefit us. <laughs> now I know <laughs> I have a different philosophy. But what are some things with gut health then you see and you see people, what can they do to correct it to help right their thyroid? Yeah, so we have a two-way street there where... On one hand, we want to make sure we're giving our gut the right inputs to help our thyroid activity. On the other hand, if our thyroid activity is already low, that might make it a little bit difficult because that is going to affect mm -hmm. how well we can digest our food, how quickly that food is moving through our intestines. So if we have low thyroid activity and our stomach acid's lower, we're not producing, which means that we won't produce uh, the, the digestive capacity for uh, breaking down protein. If our bile production is low, it's going to lead to an inability or reduction in our ability to digest fats. Uh, if our, you know, the other piece there is that thyroid is really important for keeping our motility strong. So that's the peristalsis, the muscle contraction of our intestines that helps the food move through. And as I was saying before, if that's slow, it'll cause constipation, among other things. And so if our thyroid activity is low, we're already putting our gut into a compromised situation. And this is part of the reason why there's a very strong correlation between hypothyroidism and SIBO, which is a, a bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine. So this is a long way of saying that if we're already dealing with hypothyroidism, we might have to be particularly careful about the types of foods we're giving our gut until we get to a place where our gut can really heal and we've gotten our thyroid activity in a better place. And then we can maybe branch out a little bit more as far as the inputs that we're giving us, you know, in terms of our, of our gut. And so I would say that for one, we want to maximize easily digestible foods. And a lot of those foods might be rather counterintuitive to what we're told, but we want to be very careful about the, the hard to digest foods that are going to require a lot of digestive capacity and can contribute to the bloating, gas, constipation, all of those things. And so this would include the whole grains, the nuts and seeds, the raw vegetables. We're told that these are some of the healthiest foods, but in reality, they're very, very hard to digest. And there's a handful mm -hmm. of reasons. For one, they've got lots of fiber, which isn't inherently a problem. But if you have a bacterial issue, it is. They also have a lot of what are called anti-nutrients. And anti-nutrients is kind of a broad term that, that encapsulates a handful of different compounds that are essentially there from the, for the plant to prevent animals from eating them. So if we think about grains, nuts, and seeds, these are the seeds of the plants and the plants need these to reproduce and so they don't want animals eating them so they have these chemical defenses in there called anti-nutrients one of the ones that's most uh, commonly known about or talked about is is gluten gluten is a is an anti-nutrient and there's a, a ton of others lectins and uh, oxalic acid and things like that oxalates and so saponins i mean there's there's a ton but what these anti-nutrients do both in the in the nuts, seeds, grains, legumes, but also in raw vegetables, is they slow our digestion down so they can inhibit our ability to digest starches, our ability to digest proteins. Uh, they can create an inflammatory state in our intestines. They can also trigger uh, some autoimmune reactions. And so 
with that in mind, reducing the amount of these foods that we're having can go a really long way to improving our gut health, especially when it's compromised. So especially when we're already dealing with a compromised gut due to a hypothyroid state, reducing those sorts, those sorts of harder to digest foods can really make a difference and then replacing them with some of the, I would say, easier to digest foods. Of all the lab testing in the world we do, is there any type of blood serum or saliva or dried urine test that can tell us if we have gut permeability or dysbiosis or if on the flip side it's healed from that uh there are lots of proxy markers we can use right we can look at the general inflammatory state like crp like c-reactive protein protein and stuff like that yeah but i don't know of any that at least as far as like current typical testing that we can use there are some where you can test the the downstream products of what's called lipopolysaccharide, which is a bacterial toxin. It's also called endotoxin. There are some markers mm-hmm. we can use again of, of leaky gut or intestinal permeability, which is caused by those anti-nutrients, among other things. But typically, it's just not at a point now with testing where there's it's really available that I know of. Well, but so, but it's doesn't hurt anyone to treat as if they had leaky gut, right? It. A prophylactic approach or just i'm just going to do this just because it wouldn't harm you to cut some of those things out right no of course and and the i guess the kind of counter argument is where you're going to get your fiber and nutrients and we're leaving lots of foods on the table to get those things right if we are eating cooked vegetables uh if we're eating ripe fruits if we're eating dairy and uh, animal-based protein sources right meat and seafood and everything i mean those are all super super nutrient dense and there's yeah no concern as far as not getting the nutrients we need uh as long as we're still consuming a good quality diet which yeah does not have to include those things and the other counter argument i would say is that a lot of those nutrients that are packed in the nuts and seeds and and grains and raw veggies are prevented from being absorbed due to the anti-nutrients in there. They'll prevent the absorption of various minerals right. and vitamins and uh, beyond causing leaky gut. And, and so I would say that we're not even getting very good bioavailable nutrition from those foods anyway. So I think most people are better off with at least less of those, if not none. And uh, there are certain things that can be done to, if somebody really wants you know, to have some amount of grains, they can lean toward the ones with much fewer anti-nutrients or they can use soaking and sprouting or fermenting as ways mm-hmm. to consume those things. So from the wheat side, you could have a, a well-fermented sourdough, like a traditionally fermented sourdough, and that's going to have way lower amounts of gluten and other uh, anti-nutrients. So that could be kind of a good middle ground if someone's wanting to have more of a balance there. But I would probably lean toward the easiest to digest foods, especially to start when someone's already in a compromised state. What's your favorite TSH level? Since that is the gold standard, I don't, it's not for me, but you know, it's what your doctor will say. And it takes a minute before they even get convinced that you need any help. But what do you feel like the TSH needs to be for a man or woman to have optimal health and energy? Yeah. So the research would support at least a TSH under two being the optimal ideal range. Anything over two suggesting some level of hypothyroidism, I would even argue we want it around one uh, or lower. And this is, so the, the ranges for TSH have changed over the years. Now most, uh, most ranges will come back with a high end of about four where anything above a TSH of four is considered hypothyroidism. Of course, I would say above two, I would be considering it. It doesn't mean you have to treat it with medication, just that we would want to consider that as a factor and, and adjust our food intake among other things to improve it. But previous to that, I mean, you would see TSH ranges up till 10 being considered normal. And I know people... I would be dead. Yeah. I I, 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 I couldn't get out of bed at a 3.9. I was miserable. So... Yeah. And I've had, I've seen clients, I've seen family members who they went to their doctor, got it checked, their TSH was nine. And doctor said, eh, if it hits 10, we'll, we'll see about doing something. Okay. I, tell me who they are. I've got <laughs> hitmen that are going to go burn their chicken coops down my goodness and and i think too and not that this is a sexist argument at all but sometimes a male provider hasn't walked in the female shoes and this is often a female disease so when a female says something's wrong this is what i think happens too in the south doctors say 
well, Sarah, how are you doing? And Sarah says, oh, I'm fine, because she's a Southerner and wants to be gracious. Whereas they, they ask me, how you doing? I go, oh, my life sucks. I'm miserable. I'm tired. I'm constipated. I'm cold. Because I didn't want them to think that I was just going to get by with, oh, I'm good. Even though my TSH is 3.9, I'm going to die. You, you have to communicate, too. That's the other thing. Tell your client. Tell their doctor, when whoever their healthcare provider is, I don't feel good. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that that we even have to be discussing that piece of things, right? I mean, the ideal situation is that a doctor would be asking all these sorts of questions about how someone's feeling, getting a real clear picture, comparing that with the lab work, and then determining what the best, like if there's something that needs to be treated and how to best treat it. And that's not what happens, unfortunately. So yeah, we, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of conversations do that I'm having do center around advocating for ourselves. I mean, not a lot, but it's, yes. it's an important piece to really to really be forthcoming and communicating about what you're experiencing. And and again, the as we we're kind of talking about earlier, the un, most unfortunate part maybe, or another piece is that even if you communicate those things, the vast majority of people are then just put on a T4 medication and said, you know, and then told, oh, we'll check your TSH and then we'll keep working up on that T4 medication for the rest of your life and you'll never really feel different, but your TSH will look better. My friend calls that like taking a Tic Tac. Taking a, just Synthroid is like taking a Tic Tac. You don't even get the minty breath. You just are taking something and your doctor wins the trip to Cabo. That's how I, I've oversimplified it, but that's how I feel. Jay Feldman, you're fantastic. Next time I'll need more time with you, but we had to butt this against another 30, a shorter segment uh, to have one podcast episode, but I'm sending everybody to your website, to your social media and keep traveling, my friend. Keep I don't know where you're going next, but I'm sure it'll be fabulous. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Lisa. And yeah, if listeners are interested in getting some more information as far as how to adjust diet and lifestyle and exercise and stress and sleep uh, for a situation where they're dealing with hypothyroidism and how to signal to their bodies that they're actually in an abundant environment with good energy and they can turn that metabolism up, I have a free mini course that's focused around how you can do exactly that. And so they can head to jfeldmanwellness.com energy to sign up for that. Okay. I'll put that right there in the show notes and Darren will get that out and we'll get people feeling better. Uh, We're airing this in the beginning of the new year. So happy new year, everybody. Feel better. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.